Well, this very special guest with us, I finally caught up to him. We got him. Uh, this gentleman here with us is uh, a 2002 draft pick to the New Jersey Devils. He's a former Windsor Spitfire. Played here in like kind of the tough years of the spit, so we'll get into that. Uh, he's a former St. Louis Blue as well. Played over 330 games in the show. Racked up 774 pims. Our buddy, Cam Danson. Cam, how are you, buddy? Hey, guys. What's going on? I didn't throw in OHL champ, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. American boy doing that. Yeah, yep. so you probably won that in Guelph, I'm going to assume, right? Was it Guelph? No, I think I did that in Windsor. Did you? I think I had the most PIMS and most fighting majors or whatever it was. Yeah, I think that was in Windsor. I think it was my first year, to be honest with you. Yeah, I could be did. wrong, man. They, they all blend in. <laughs> so how you been, man? Good, man. I'm good. Doing the same shit you guys are doing, you know? Uh, the podcast. I have a radio show every morning from 7 to 10. Mm -hmm. I work with guys around the St. Louis area that are in the media and work for the Cardinals. So you get a blend of different sports and thoughts of, uh, you know, we don't just talk hockey. Like I got to know about politics and stuff like mm -hmm. that. You just got to be on the ball and be creative right. and entertaining for three hours every damn day. And then the podcast with Andy Strickland is a different animal. Mm -hmm. We talk to hockey guests, but we uh, talk about everything leading up. But if it's hockey, if it's a big hockey week, then, It'll probably be 95% hockey talk before we get into the guests. So you guys get the game, man. Yeah. You know, it's it's fun. People think it's, uh, you know, everybody's got a podcast. But if you could, um, you can make money doing it. It's a it's a fun mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Tell us a bit about your show. I'm curious. Like, fill us in. What are you doing and what are you up to? Well, I host a radio show from 7 to 10 every morning. Uh, we got a studio in Kirkwood, Missouri. It's about 40 minutes from my house. I live way out here, man. If I showed you over there, you could see I'm on a golf course way out in the middle of nowhere, which is really cool. But nice. I'm still like, I can still be able to get in to different areas. But I grew up in Eureka, Missouri, which is about seven miles directly uh, uh, south of here. And so I'm used to traveling out and coming back. So I'm, I'm kind of used to that. We love it. But the radio is cool, man. Like, but I, uh, I kind of produce it too. We have a producer, but I like to kind of figure out, go through what's going on. What are some funny topics we could talk about? We have a text line that calls in and texts in. So, oh, wow. you know, they chirp us and we go back and forth and stuff like that. It's, it's great. It's nice. great. It's, it's, it's fun. I like to do it. I get there early. I do my push-ups, have my coffee, watch the news, and I jot down all my shit. And then we just entertain for three hours. Mm -hmm. So yeah. are, are you allowed to swear on that one or do you? Or... No. Okay. So how I do you say, do it? How do you, like, how do you just shut it off? Oh, I can, dude. I got to do that. Like, if I'm working for the Blues or I'm doing TV work, I could do I do TV stuff. Like, no, you just shut it off. Mm -hmm. You completely shut it off. Now, if I'm with Andy, and we do, he does radio with me, not with me, but on the same station. He has his own radio show every Friday. Mm -hmm. um, if I do radio with him, I'll slip up because I'm so used to going back and forth with him on a podcast where I just, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, whatever. I don't give a damn. That's our little baby. We don't care. We're not catering to children. You're not catering to anything, you know, we're, we we want to be different. Um, so maybe I'll slip up here and there. But no, dude, it's a switch. It's a switch. Exactly. Well, that's good. At least you get to be yourself and some respect on those. A bit more uh, yeah. free, free spoke, a bit more colorful, you could say. It's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. If you heard exactly. me on the radio, you'd be like, this is the same thing. I just maybe throw a little bit more F-bombs on the radio or on the podcast. Yeah. Fair enough. I love. 
<laughs> so I, so I want to Andy ask, pisses me off. <laughs> I, I want to ask about the process of being drafted. So you come from playing for your local hometown team in the NAHL, St. Louis Sting, right? You rack up 244 penalty minutes in 45 games. Ridiculous. <laughs> like insane. Over almost five times the amount of pims per game played. And then you go to Windsor your first year, and then you got 268 PIMS in 64 games. Talk about Jesus. that rookie year in the OHL and then getting drafted that same year to the NHL. Well, it all happened really fast. I'm from Eureka, Missouri. Mm-hmm. My parents never played hockey. No one I grew up with played hockey. But I was obsessed with the Blues. And so my dad's like, let's get you some rollerblades. So I'd rollerblade in the basement. I didn't start ice hockey until I was nine, nine and a half years old. Think mm-hmm. about that. That's really late. Wow. Yeah. I went to learn to skate. I made a double-A team, and then I started playing triple-A blues, amateur blues here. And we were traveling up to Canada all the time. We played in the Michigan National Hockey League. So I went from boom, 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 and all of a sudden I'm playing triple-A hockey, and I'm scoring a bunch of goals, and I'm crushing guys, crushing guys with hits. And so agents would come up to my dad and talk to him and stuff like that. Other teams would scout me. I would go play for other teams in Canada throughout the summer. So I just it just happened really fast. I was, I was a really good athlete. Like if I race, if we go to a bar and we, everybody races, I'd probably beat everybody kind of thing. I'm, I, you know, just like an athletic. Yeah. But I loved hockey, so I got into it. So I went from boom, boom, boom. So I played AAA, and then I had a financial advisor at the time or whatever it was, family advisor, I should say, mm-hmm. which is really an agent, but when you're too young. But uh, he's like, listen, I got <laughs> scouts up in Windsor that want to draft you into the OHL to me and my dad. And me and my dad are like, uh, what? Like, what does that even mean? So I made the junior team here, the St. Louis Sting, and I just was it was a it was a shit show. We had 50 different coaches, we had like 130 different players. The team was going under. I was wearing like a bandana underneath my helmet with skulls on it, literally fighting everybody. I my dad, I was so young, my dad had to drive me to the games, and I'm like beating up their heavyweights. <laughs> like, I don't know how I did that either. I don't even know how I started that. I just, I loved it. And so, but that year was kind of irrelevant. It really was because I was already thinking about getting drafted for my AAA year. So I just learned how to fight that year. And all of a sudden I go up to Canada, Mississauga, and I'm sitting next to Dustin Brown, who we had the same agent, and we both get drafted. I think he went in the first and I went in the third. And I remember going up to Windsor like, wow, where's Windsor at? You know, all these jerseys are cool. Like we didn't even know what the OHL was. Mm-hmm. But then the next year, I went up there and made the team. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I remember because, yeah. like, when I was really at the freaking games, like, trying to go every week, it was like you, Josh Gratton. And I'm like, it was just teams would come in and this old Windsor barn, right? It was yeah. like teams would not want to come in. But then not only were the fans crazy in there, but then they had to come in and on the ice and they're dealing, like I said, with you and Josh Gratton. I just remember hearing, oh, we got this this kid from from like over in the States and this and that. And then you come out and I'm watching you shit pump guys and I'm going, holy fuck, who is it? Who is this guy? Like, you know what I mean? And then I was just then right there. I'm like, this guy may be one of my favorite Spitfires. And you ended up being eh? one of my favorite Spitfires. I I was glad that I got to watch you for what, three years, three and a half years here in Windsor. So it was awesome. Yeah. So. That was the first time when I went to Windsor, living with a 75-year-old couple who 
you know, they were really, they were, my parents were lenient, man. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I was a crazy kid, but disciplined. I was crazy, but disciplined. If, if that, if that's, a, if that's even possible, yeah. I really was, but I'd go out and I'd do this. And I was like, I felt like I was 25 years old when you're 16. Um, but I lived with this family up there. I was in a new country. It was, I, I was homesick. I was fighting everybody. It was the first time I went on the ice and I had a crowd in front of me. I felt the energy from mm. everybody, man. Like the fans loved it and I loved it. So I fed off of them. I would always do autograph signings. I would always go talk intimately with all the fans. Mm -hmm. I'd act like I knew them for eight, you know, for 20 years or whatever it was. So I had a good system down and I just felt it, man. So it makes you brave when you know you have a crowd behind you like that for the first time. I love the, I love the attention. You know what I mean? So, mm. so I just did it, but uh, it was, it was a wild scene going to high school up there. It was crazy, man. And then, and then the next year, you know, you, well, you want to ask a question, but the next year you get drafted and you sign, they mm -hmm. signed me right away. The devils for a couple hundred grand. And so I had all this money. I bought a big ass truck. I was going to high school up there. I had a cell phone. No one else had a cell phone. I would awesome. park in the teacher's parking spot. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, but I was respectful, but I was wild. You know what I mean? I didn't mm -hmm. piss any piss. I was nice to everybody, everybody, but I was cruising around doing my thing. It was awesome. Which high school were you at? Yeah, I'm curious. I, I went to Riverside. Oh, okay. And then I went to St. Anne's mm -hmm. because I wanted to meet more girls kind of thing. Yeah. Me and a couple there, other guys. Did there, yeah. there, there was lots there. There, I know there's no, still one of the, the high listed places locally for that yeah. respect, but that's yeah. I think now yeah. they're officially partners to the spits, kind of. They're that's kind of like oh, really? billet, yeah, that's where the billet kids go. Like I know Taylor Hall went yeah. there, and even though he's from around here, Aaron Blad, like some of the guys further on, but do you remember <laughs> much of that championship year? I like there's got to be some great stories that go with that in Guelph, in Guelph. Well, the, yeah, there is. So, like, the, the, the Windsor thing, I became real popular in that town. And um, then we weren't good. We had Spezza, we had Otter, we had Gleason, we had, we had guys. And, and all of a sudden, our, my third year, which it wasn't my overage year. I didn't play my overage year. It was my 19-year-old year, 18-19. And the team was bad. And they knew I, there was teams out there that needed toughness to go on a playoff run. But the fans, and I, I never thought I was going to get traded. So I remember my buddies were in town and they watched me play and we we're partying all night. Oh God, mm. partying all night. And listen, man, I was already signed. I was drafted. I knew I was gone. I love Mike Kelly, but I was kind of doing what I wanted. I would always, never was late for anything. I was boxing at five o'clock in the morning before school in like hardcoreville with a bunch of hardcore cats, dude. I was doing everything I needed to do, but I was going out and I was doing what I wanted. And then I moved billets and my billets were lenient. So anyway, my buddies are in town. We party all night. And I come back to my billet house with my buddies for dinner. And everybody, my whole team's there. And I walk in. I'm like, what the hell did we do last night? I'm thinking, dude, I'm like, what is this? Like, why are they mad at me? Am I booted off the team? Like, I don't know. I'm like still like kind of messed up from the night before. I'm like, ah, what's going on here? And I walk in. My billets are crying. And my buddies are there. We're like, what is going on? Because I can't. I need to talk to you. All my teammates are there. They take me into a different room. Mm. And they sit me down like, we traded you to Guelph. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And they're like, oh, God. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, oh, I mean, I'm not in trouble. 
And so that was kind of, so we all partied that night. Then the next day I had to go to Guelph. And that, the difference between the, that Windsor team going to Guelph with Ryan Callahan and Marty St. Pierre and God, Nico Tuomi, we had so many NHL guys. He won one, but Daniel Paye to Ryan Callahan. I mean, just a ton of guys. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And then the, we, who else do we have? We, I know I said, right. We, who else do we have? We had a bunch of guys. Anyway, I go in that locker room. Too. Danny Girardi, yeah. Yep, you're right. Ah. It was just a different element. Everybody was, like, disciplined. It was awesome. And um, they put me on the first line for a little bit. And I was just getting – I was just getting penalties, man. And so they <laughs> found a line with me and Kyle Spur and Jacob Voorhees, who was a first-round draft pick, too. Mm-hmm. I don't think he made any NHL team, but it, it juniors, we dominated, dude. We were crushing guys. Nobody looked at us, man. I was fighting everybody, doing things. You know, we played London that year against Corey Perry. They were the powerhouse, too. We beat them in game seven. I think I scored a big goal in that game. Like, I had, like, 50 minutes of penalties, too, which is god-awful, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we won that thing and against Mississauga. We beat them in four. Um, it was cool. We had, like, a – we went the first round against Owen Sound to seven. Then we beat Plymouth four in a row. Then we went to London and went to seven, which was a crazy series. And then we shit-kicked uh, Mississauga. And had a good time. And you got to wait a month, you know, yeah. to go to the Memorial Cup, which is in Kelowna, which is awesome. You got to like wait a month and we're doing our thing. And we go to Kelowna and uh, I think we, we, we lost a couple times in overtime and Kelowna was great and they beat us, but what a cool thing to get a championship there, man. And that like catapulted my, like Lou Lamarillo and the devils looked at that and they're like, yeah, he's ready to come up. So a couple years later, I, I made the team too, mm-hmm. the, uh, the devils. Mm-hmm. Did did you ever have to play any road games in Windsor when you were with like Guelph during the regular no. season at all? No, I always ask, no. guys, what's it like coming I as know. a visitor? <laughs> no, I didn't. But they played us in Guelph, and the whole crowd came up, and I did like a big thing afterwards with everybody, all the fans and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like you know, you look at me in the NHL, like, but like in juniors, you're you're huge, like. You know, like you're the big thing in town, man. Like, they, especially in this area. Every day, yeah. yeah, dude. They they just they loved it, and I was so responsive to all the fans. Where they all came down. My family was up. I scored a big goal on the power play, which is bizarre. I had, like my girlfriend at the time in town, which was a stupid idea, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> but it, it was a uh, it was it was fun, man. It was a good time. My parents got to see a lot of cool games. You know, they did. Mm-hmm. I love it. So you're talking about fighting all throughout your junior career and stuff. And like, did you grow quick? Like you're what you're like six, one, two fifteen. your stats say, what are you? No, you I'm five eleven. I'm five eleven and a half homeboy. I'm not going to lie. Six one. Yeah. Right. I wish I was. No, I'm five eleven and a half. I'm under six foot. So, you know, that's, I had to have a game plan, dude. I can't just go toe to toe with Brian McGratton. I got to have mm-hmm. a game plan. He's he's got a six inch reach on me, man. So I had to I got had to be strong and be able to throw with both hands and box. That's why I box all the time, dude. Mm-hmm. I I created a hockey fight lessons here with a bunch of my shit kicking boxing buddies that own gyms, and me and all these NHL guys in St. Louis would go there and learn how to hockey fight. So we had our own hockey fight training. So, dude, yeah, I was ahead of the game. That's sick. That. Yeah, right on. Yeah. How hard was it when it when it like when you would fight like from the ohl into like the ahl the nhl like how like you because you get tagged right like obviously you're if you fight you're gonna get hit at some point like you're not gonna dodge everything right Mm -hmm. so do you find it was like was it a huge 
jump for that aspect of it or was it kind of the same not for me not for me i was ready to go i became a man strength-wise not mentally I'm still learning how to be mature, dude. <laughs> me like, too. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> strength-wise, I was fighting grown men when I was young, dude. That's insane. Here, like, I would pick five, dude. I was crazy. But not like a weirdo kid. Like, I am a, you know, no, I, I, my, I was good. I did crazy shit. I partied hard. But I wanted to not, not fight because I was mad at my life. No. I was the happiest kid in the world. I just wanted to prove that I was a shit kicker, man. I don't know what it is. I'm, maybe I'm psycho. I don't care. But like, I want to prove like I'm a fucking, I would fight grown men when I was young, dude, in my young teens and get my ass kicked and then learn from it, learn from it. So when I was 19, 20 and that lockout year in 04, mm-hmm. I didn't care. I'm fighting 35 year old men. Didn't care. Just, I, I was ready at that time mm-hmm. for sure. But not a lot of guys are, but that's why I probably would have played in the show in the 04 lockout year if there was a, Lou probably would have called me up if they had room. Mm-hmm. So um, I was ready, dude, at a young age. How old were you when you, like, first kind of realized, like, fuck, I'm good at this? Dude, I knew I was – and it sounds cocky because I wasn't – like, I didn't – my stats didn't blow up everywhere. Like, I, you're not a first-round pick, but I was so confident in my in my athletic ability to where – and how much I love the game, and I was obsessed with it. I even stopped going to school. My parents just accepted it because they knew I was driven, which is dumb to do. But I was, I was in my own world, man. Mm-hmm. And but I knew at a young age, probably when I was thirteen or fourteen, like yeah, I got something here, and I, I can't so. wait to learn how to fight now because I know I can score in AAA, and I'm going up playing against Rick Nash in Toronto, and I'm scoring and I'm doing things. But I know that their skill levels here, and no one's teaching me. Like, my dad wasn't like, hey, this is how you get the puck off the wall. No, none of that, dude. I was war of in the basement just learning shit on my own, mm-hmm. watching the blues, you know. Um, so, like, skill-wise, man, I really had to work on that. But the toughness and the skating and the hitting, I was way ahead of the game. Love it. So, yeah. you're – if you're born in 84 – you were watching the Blues when they were real good then, like when they trade for yeah. Wayne Gretzky and they got Shanny and all those guys. Shit, when they had fucking Holly cruising around yeah. with Chaser and Twister. Holly with that sick mullet. Are you kidding? Dude, I'd watch Twister, man. He, I'd watch it. My dad, they come down the warm-ups. We're watching him through the glass. Like I got my, my buddy, because my parents couldn't afford seats there, but they knew people maybe that were construction. They're like, hey, take Cam to go watch. And my dad would do it. And Twister would piss pump guys. Oh, God, take his jersey off. Flex for everybody. I'm like, oh right. my God, that's awesome. Yeah. Fred Hall had his mullet scoring 86, 70 goals. Chasers <laughs> cruising around. I got obsessed with it, dude. Obsessed with it. I'd fight, I'd get order my dad Christmas hockey fights from Don Cherry. I'm oh, a yeah. Eureka boy. No one even knew who Don Cherry is around here. They still don't for the most part. Maybe the hockey fans do, but I'm in Missouri, dude. We're mm-hmm. not even close to Canada. This hockey, because people like hockey because they like the blues. It's changed now because you won the cup and there's a ton of kids that play, but no one knew shit about hockey where I grew up. Nobody. It was NASCAR and baseball and football. That's it. Mm-hmm. So I would got obsessed with hockey fights from Don Cherry and all that shit. So it, it just it was just a, a, a different animal growing up here, man. It, it truly was. But now it's completely changed. Mm-hmm. Those old Rock'em Sock'em videos, yep, right? That's what I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> I had I think, every single one of those. 
Well, you got to think, man, like the Blues came here in 1967. Yeah. I was the first one born and raised to play in the NHL, and that was in 2005. And I was the first one to play for the Blues from St. Louis, born and raised, and that was in 2007-8. So it took that long to get a kid in the, to the NHL. That's crazy. From having a major hockey team, an NHL team in St. Louis. And now there's a ton of them. Yeah, that's nuts. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's cool. So you were drafted by one of the most prolific GMs in the league. Obviously, he has his rules, and I want to hear a bit what it's like having a GM such as Lou Lamorello, who's so set in his ways. Like, obviously, first thing you do there, you got to get that clean shave and just talk yeah. about that. He was perfect for me, you know. Mm. I remember, like, uh, meeting with him in Toronto during the meetings. I met with a bunch of teams, you know. And I remember getting drafted by them, and he looked at me, and he goes, you look like a hockey player. And I'm like, hell yeah. And I remember shaving. It, it just makes you disappointed. I was so worried about how he evaluated me every day. I would get there before everybody else every single day. I don't give a shit if I partied the night before all night long, and I had a change out of my suit that I had on the night before. I would get there just so because I knew he would walk in first. Then I started stick handling pucks and I would stretch and I'd go do little workouts and just show him, man, like no matter what, I'm coming in. You get weighed in every day. I was disciplined as hell and I'm wild. And coming from juniors, kind of doing what you want, blah, 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 blah. What I had money compared to the guys. Now you're coming. I'm, I'm looking at Marty Bredore. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at Scott Stevens in the locker room in 02 when I walked in. Kenny Dan, and I'm like, oh, okay lou walks in i'm like okay what's going on uh so it, it just made it made me disciplined it mm. truly truly did and i needed that at the time but he had his quirks man it felt like every time i did something goofy he'd be right there and i'm like uh but i think he uh, he liked me a lot like he knew mm. the guys i was good in the locker room i would do anything for the team i was disciplined never late but he knew i had a party side to me too and i was mm. a little wild and he accepted that and kept me on my toes. And I, I just, it was perfect for me. Mm-hmm. It really was. I love that man. And I know Biz is chirping him right now for being oh, this, yeah. that, and the other, because yeah. I know, but he is. And maybe, and maybe he does need a change if he's still going to do this. But at the time, for me, he was perfect. And I, I love that man. And I love his son, too, Chris, who was mm-hmm. great with me in Albany as well. So um, it, it, he makes you a better person and player, just so you know. Why oh, is he awesome. so against like facial hair? Because he's hardcore, man. Because George Steinbrenner was the same way the Yankees were yeah. dominated, and he and they were buddies. And he's like, "No, we're gonna be disciplined. Talk, untuck your jersey." I used to want to like roll my sleeves up, blah, have no bucket and warm up. No, everybody looks the same. Everybody mm-hmm. dresses the same. Everybody looks good. I saw the I was doing radio for the Blues in Pittsburgh the other day, and um, you know the guys in the Blues are cool as hell. But, like, they just, you know, they dress the way they want to dress. I remember sitting in the lobby in Pittsburgh, and the Islanders all walk in. I'm like, who is this? And they were decked out, shaved. They look classy as hell. I'm like, ah, that's Lou's. Okay, those are the Islanders. I'm like, oh, there's old boy and Martin and those guys. And I see Lou walking. I'm like, yep, they look sharp, dude. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a mindset. It's a discipline. It's a it's a state of discipline that you need. And I, hear, I don't care if you're making $10 million, you're making seven fifty. You are the same. And it's the crest, and I know that's corny and cliche, but it's so true in his, yep. in his mind. And it's worked for a long, long time. And so, again, times change now. It is what it is, but maybe he could change up a little bit 
But back in 05 to when I played, it was perfect for me. And that's all I could say. So look good, feel good, play good, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, you just you're a team. Everybody looks the same. Exactly. Kentucky Jersey. No, we're we're devils. We're not you doing your thing and looking different with your, you know, neon whatever or whatever it is. No. This is what we're doing. This is our rules, and we're gonna obey them and we're gonna be successful. Well we were and that's how you establish like that team mentality, right? Because then you'll get people who end up, oh, they'll step out of line. Like that's what happens with teams who have a lackadaisical mentality of oh we can do what we want or this isn't our year we're not going to know it's regardless of the fact where we're going to place in the standings we've got the same goal go in win the yeah. hockey game and we're going to look good doing it right so yeah, he's not the only one like there's big companies that do the same thing and they're successful and again mm-hmm. times have changed and you have to adapt with the times but at that time no man just be disciplined mm-hmm. and then you're always thinking about we got weighed in every day dude so That's at crazy. night when i got people calling me or girls are calling you and they're like, hey, come in. Like, I'm like, damn, dude. Like, like I can't do that. You beautiful woman. But I gotta I, I can't do it. I can't because I'm I'm thinking of Lou. And I'm like, if I go have a bottle of wine with her, it's gonna put on a half a pound. And if I put on a half a pound, that means I can't eat this. And that if I don't eat that in the morning before I get weighed in, then I'm gonna be don't have energy. So it all like connects and you're like, no, I can't do that. I'm not gonna answer this phone call. You know, and that was good for me. That was good for me. And not just me, probably a lot of other guys too. You were gonna get some freaking cardio if you like went over there too. Don't lie. Yeah, who knows? Maybe I would have lasted for two seconds, like a jackass, like I usually do. You know, and then and then you're like, Well, see you later. Or what do you want to do now? Drink, you know. So so, yeah. That's good. So did you did they make you reach like a, a set weight goal? Like did they take your height measurements and then they say, boom, you have to be within five pounds of this for the rest of the season. Oh, God dang right. Hell yeah. That's how it goes. I remember going, yes, I walk in, I'd be 212 at training camp. Why would you walk in for, you know, your blood work and whatnot? You mm-hmm. wait in. Okay, that's where you're at. That's where you're at then. And, it, and he would evaluate you and maybe the strength coach, but man, maybe you should put, there's, there's some guys that put on some weight. Mm-hmm. You know, like not everybody's the same, but for me, I was big enough, and he liked me light because I was able to get around and hit guys more. Now, when I'm fighting a guy that's 260, maybe I don't have enough strength because I don't have those pounds on me. But boy, oh boy, I was cruising, and that it, it you rather be fast than be able. I was strong enough to hold off the guys and be lighter. Does that, mm-hmm. that makes sense? And he knew that, so he was hard on me with the weight. But I was always pretty good, man. I didn't go overweight much because mm-hmm. of being disciplined. Right. You still stick in a workout routine? I mean, um, not even close. Like, I could lose a lot of weight now, dude. Like, I drink a lot of beer. I'm all, I am talk for a living now. <laughs> you know, I skate with the alumni here, the Blues alumni and stuff like that. But I kind of lost that. And it's it, I have dreams about it. Mm. I have dreams about going into a locker room um, during training camp thinking I'm trying to make the team and I, I take off all my stuff and I'm weighed in and I'm fat and I look at the way I am. I'm pale. I'm gross. It was, I was caught up then. Like I wanted to take off my stuff. Like, wow, like, look, you know, now I'm like, Oh God, please uh, don't look at me. So like, I have dreams about that. And it's a, and it's a, I look at it like, and I read up on that. It's like, something's telling you get back in shape mm-hmm. because like, imagine you did have to go into a locker room and take your shirt off and get weighed in right now. 
Lou would look at you and you'd be embarrassed and you'd be booted off the team and you'd go back home to Eureka. So um, I have weird night, I guess they're nightmares, but they're more of a discipline, disciplinary dream, which sometimes you need. One of the things I love asking guys um, is what was it like for you leading up to your first game in the show? Like, was there nerves? Was there, did you, did you kind of know what you were going in to do? Like, who was it against? Like, just. Oh, dude. Like well, I was, uh, I was in a weird jam. Somebody stole, I told the story on Spitting Chicklets. And Lou actually doesn't like me telling it. So I'll kind of like breeze through it. It blew up my first time on Chicklets. <laughs> um, but I, uh, somebody stole my, I was in the minors. So I, in 05, they had Christoph Olewa and Darren Langdon. And the, and I and Lou knew I was ready, but they needed some security, so they signed those guys. And so I didn't make the team in 05 as a 20, 21 year old. I think I was, so he sent me down for a month, and um, and they they, they start trade away those guys to be able to call me back up, and maybe another guy, maybe whoever it was at the time. And so uh, I remember uh, somebody stole my phone. They switched one of my buddies on the team's number out with Lou's. I called Lou like late at night. And I kind of embarrassed myself, and like he doesn't like to get fucked with with that at all. Oh, so it kind of blew up a little bit. I had to talk to him at a meeting. My parents, so I'm like losing my mind. So I'm like, I don't, never want to piss anybody off. I just want to just do my thing, and I just don't want to have any drama. I don't want any of that shit. And that was a little bit of drama. And it was from one of the guys on the team that kind of fucked me over. So uh, a couple of days later, my parents fly up to Albany, which is their minor league team, to watch mm-hmm. me play. And my dad's all pumped up. And I'm so nervous because I think that Lou's maybe sent me down to the coast. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. So my parents come up, and I have a great game, dude, against Springfield or whoever it was. My mom and dad are in the stands, and I'm like, yeah, baby. I had a good game, but I'm so nervous that Lou's pissed at me. So I'm in the hotel with my mom and dad, having a couple beers, eating some pizza. And I'm watching the Devils and the Rangers. They played a Friday night, and they played a Saturday night against each other, home and home. And I remember watching it. And Ryan Holwig is running around crushing guys. And my dad, and we're just chilling, having a beer. I had a good game that night. I feel pretty good, but I'm still nervous. My dad looks at me and goes, you're going to get called up. I go, what? He, I'm like, you don't even know. He goes, you're going to get called up. And I swear to God, 15 seconds later, I get a phone call. And it's Robbie Fatorik, our head coach of the minors. And I answer it. He's like, hammer. He's so cool. But he chirped me a lot because hmm. I was young. But then I was kind of loud, you know. He goes, what the fuck are you doing? I go, what's up, Robbie? What's going on, man? He's like, you're not playing tomorrow night. We played like, who knows, Syracuse. Who knows who was. Yeah. I go, oh, God, Robbie, my parents are in town. He goes, I don't care. You're not playing tomorrow. I go, oh, no. He goes, you know why? I go, why? He goes, because you're playing against the Rangers. <laughs> They're playing in Mass Square Gardens. You got called up. Get your shit packed and go down there and do exactly what I told you to do. I go, oh, I love you, Robbie. Boom. And then my dad's like, I told you. He even know. He has no idea. But it just was some intuition. That's crazy. So I was there when I got called up. My parents drove me down to MSG, getting down to the, the to the hotel where the guys were staying at. I walk in to the hotel. They're all eating. I got sweatpants on. I look like a jackass. I'm so <laughs> nervous. I'm like the youngest kid on the team by like five years, I feel like. So I walk in there, and Richard Mavichuk looks at me and goes, because they must have lost two games in a row. They were dominant that year. They were loaded. Mm-hmm. And Rith- Richard Mavichuk, the, I'm the young kid walking into the to the dinner, and he looks at me and goes, is this our savior? 
and he looks back and they all start laughing. Don't even say a word to me. And I'm like, oh God, I was so fucking nervous, man. But then I talked to all the guys. My mom and dad got to see me play in Madison Square Gardens, my first NHL game. They were in town. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And you're pretty cool to have your first your first ever game at MSG too. One yeah. of the no shit known sports arenas. Not to mention in the, the world. biggest rival of the Devils, yeah. right? So you know what? Oh, it's crazy. While we're in MSG talk, how did all that shit go down at the opening face-off when you guys had like three fights at the same time? Like, how did all that go down? Well, that went that happened like a couple times throughout that year, but it was just me and Eric Bolton fighting Rusty and Rupper or whoever it was. Yeah. But the big one when we all fought with Ryan Carter and Stu Bickle, yeah. we literally were fighting these guys left and right all, all season. They were good. We were good. It was just a built up look at this big boy by the way that's probably like yeah. 50 bucks in canada just you know <laughs> but uh, um so anyway we get to msg and we've been battling all year two really good teams fighting for first place and uh and we're sitting in the locker room and uh we're looking at each other and and of course we have to solidify our lineups first so they so pete devore is probably like fuck it let's get going so they put me Bolts and Carter starting the game. And then they put out Trusty, Rupper, Bickle. And then we're just in warm-ups and we kind of know what's going on. And we just and it's not like we just look at each other in the locker room. It's like, let's just start a brawl, dude. Let's just ask everybody to go. Let's get let's get something crazy going. Who cares? Mm-hmm. And we're like, yeah, okay. So we went out there and I'm like, I got Trusty or I got Rupper. And then we kind of switched around a little bit during the face-off and they agreed to it. And so it was just one of those things where just we looked at each other in the locker room like, yeah, let's do it. Those guys in the other locker room were like, okay, something's going to go down here. Yeah. And once we saw each other in warm-ups, we were like, let's do it. You want to do it? You want to do it? And they all agreed. So the shit hit the fan. It's fucking nuts, But I do man. think a couple guys, like, guys love that, except for one guy on the team. Who do you think it was that didn't like it? On our team, on the Devils. Elias. No. It wasn't a, It was Marty. I'm not going to have you do it. Why do you think that is, though? He usually loves fights, mm-hmm. but it took 30 minutes to clean up the blood. Oh, yeah. To clean up Carter everything. Got cut bad, right? to go, yes, to go through all the bullshit. Right. And Marty's like, I love that. Yeah. But then I got cold and my growing oh, started to hurt. He's shit. like, damn you. But he was joking about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so everybody loves that shit, man. That place was so loud. Oh, my God. I had my, I had my, my wife at the time. She was my uh, girlfriend at the time, but she was there with all our friends from Jersey and stuff like that. They all got to see it live. It was wild, dude. That would be. But Marty's like, damn it, dude, I almost pulled my groin because <laughs> I was warmed up. And then all that shit went down and he had to wait 30 minutes not mm. doing anything. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Like, well, not to mention you guys can't afford him going out. You didn't even have a backup. Yeah, I think the, we the had. backup goalie would play like two games a year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's, we needed Marty. Yeah, exactly. So, like, yeah, in a way, like, it's still tough on the goalie when you sit there forever. But Lundqvist mm-hmm. had to go through the same shit, too. Mm-hmm. Did so you what's... open? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, no, you go ahead, Ant. No, I was just going to ask him if he opened his beer yet. Yeah, I did. <clears throat> okay. Big old boy. I, I get know. these at the gas station. How much do you think that is at the gas station? 250 139 Come on. American. Isn't that nice? What, what size is that one? Like, uh, 24-ounce. So 24 ounce got the well here it's milliliters so is that what 750 here it's a big it's a big boy no it's, it's, a couple, it's that, two and one yeah. i didn't know because i didn't hear the yoink so that's why I, I was waiting for the no yoink. i said it 
Oh, did you? Oh, no, 750 beer, right? I'm out of it. It's it's recorded. All right. All right, Tris. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask him. So what was it like getting after you get sent back down to the minors, you play for the Devils two years, and then you get to go back to your hometown? Like, oh, God, that must have been just talk about that. Well, it set me up for after hockey big time. Mm. Like I'm a hometown kid. I was the first kid ever to make it. First kid ever to play for the Blues, uh, born and raised here. I come from a blue-collar family. My parents didn't play hockey. They didn't know shit. So it's like a really good story. And and they were they were struggling at the time. And then all of a sudden they had all these first-round draft picks. They brought a, a hometown kid back. Mm-hmm. So now you got storylines out the ass here. A lot of buzz in St. Louis. Dude, I went – we became – me, Osh, Perron, Berglund, EJ – we became so popular in this town so fast. And like all my buddies from high school and shit, like I bought the house next to my parents. Everybody knew where I lived. You know, it was just, it was, it was complete chaos. But you have to go perform too, you know? Mm-hmm. So I went out there and just fucking tried to put on a show every night. I bring in 30 people in. They'd be partying in the wives lounge. Like I, it just was, it was crazy. It really was crazy. It was so fun. You meet so many people. I didn't even know what I was like, they had me doing so much shit. And then, like, I lived two separate lives, man. I had my hockey team life. The Blues are telling me to do stuff. I'm going on autograph signings and doing this and speaking engagements. It's fun, fun stuff. Then I have my family and friends that I grew up with. And I, they're asking me to do all this stuff. Boom, boom, boom. So it was pretty wild, man. It was, it was really wild. But now, like, when you retire, like, you know so many people. Everybody knows your name. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have a radio show. That's why I get to go do engagements with former blues and whatnot and make money doing this, make money doing that. Not, I'm not like, I didn't make that. I spent a lot of money when I played. So it's like, I just start from scratch when I retired basically because of all this craziness that went down. Um, but, but it was, it was, it was perfect. And three and a half, four years here was just enough time uh, to really make my mark for after hockey. Mm. And, and that was just nice to everybody. And I would, I was I would say no to nobody. Like I was, mm-hmm. Cam, do this. Yes, Cam, do that. Yeah, I will. Cam, help this kid out. Okay, and people take advantage of here and there. And now I look at it, 39 years old, and now I'm kind of like really picky on different things. Like I'll mm-hmm. do as much as I can, but I just said fuck it. I got to do as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say yes to everybody, and I'm glad I was that way. And uh, it just helps you out now so much. Now I'm a princess. But back then, I would just do whatever. Um, but it was it was great. It came a little too much, man, at, at times. Like, don't get me wrong. But I had a great time. We had a fun team. And now we're all still buddies. So it, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. But That's grabbing cool. that shirt, looking at it, you know, like St. Louis, the big the big blue note on it. And then you turn around and you see your last name on it, being from St. Louis and you slide it on for that first time. And you're like, fuck yeah, this looks good. And then you go out, you go out for the warm up with St. Louis. Did you go no lids for the warm up? The first one, I think I did have a helmet on, but then I was like, Nope, I'd have my shit fucking pulled up. It's a show out here. Rolling my fucking stick around, saying hey to people in the stands that I knew, like, what's up? My old football coaches, my old track coach, my wrestling coach, you know, my family, my cousins, your girlfriends, your this, your that. You're like, you're the man, baby. Oh, it was awesome, man. Love it. I mean, uh, then everybody wait for you afterwards. You high five him. 
we'd all jump in a bunch of SUVs and go party all night in St. Louis and say hey to people, be nice to everybody. No one mm-hmm. fucked with me. I never got into a fight at a bar. I mean, me, a couple people did a couple weird things to me, and I just look at the bouncer like, get him out of here. Yeah. But we were there to talk to girls, man. You know, I'd be nice to people. Always be nice to people. I'd always talk to the bartenders and owners and stuff like that just mm-hmm. to be, just to show that you're a real dude, you mm-hmm. know, and you're from there. And so they always took care of me. I always had somebody that takes care of me. I always had somebody that drive me, even all the way back to Eureka when we party all night. Like, I'd always have somebody. So, like, I had a yeah. good system. Well, not really. I just wasn't driving. You know, <laughs> he did, you know, um, or she, but, uh, but yeah, so it, it, it was wild for, for, for a bit there, man. It, it truly was, but it was all good. It was, it was a, it was a rock star life in my own bubble. Mm-hmm. You're not Leonardo DiCaprio. You're not Sidney Crosby. You're not this, but my own little bubble in St. Louis. Oh yeah, dude. We rocked, we rocked it out. And all my buddies from high school partied with me and got to experience it too. Fuck That's yeah. sweet, eh? Oh, so, yeah, all my all, family. All, Hell yeah. In all your scraps, who socked you the hardest? Oh, I was going to ask that too. Um, I never got knocked out in a fight. The only knockout know. I've ever gotten into was by my own teammate, Brad Winchester. And you can look that up on YouTube. It's got awful. And oh, really? We ran into each other. But who caught mm. me? Cold Nor caught me one time. Cold Nor caught me one time at home. It doesn't look bad, it doesn't need to look bad. To get fucked up, just so you know. Right. You don't need to be buckled like this. No. Sometimes you get rocked. He hit me. I remember going and I, hey girl, uh, and I fucking fall and he hits me in the back of the head, and I slam my head on the ice, but it doesn't really look bad. And then I remember spinning that night, and I remember driving home with a bunch of people after the game, after going out, and I start spinning and I puked oh. everywhere. Mm. And I'm like, oh boy. And that wasn't from boozing. That wasn't from any, that was that was a concussion throw up. Yeah. Which if you're throwing up, that means you're rocked pretty yeah, good, yeah. right? But I didn't tell anybody about it. And uh did our thing all night. And the next day you forget about it and it went away. But that one got me good. But I'm pretty blessed and not getting caught. I was smart with it, dude. Mm-hmm. Like I had a, again, I had a game plan. Like I wouldn't want to take punches here. So if you take your hands and you go like this, don't get rocked in this area. Yeah. So I'd always, bam, hit my, they roll off my head. It's like Tai Domi. Like they roll yeah. off my head. They do this. I switch on you. So I really never got caught too square in the face. Although a couple of times I did, I'm like, okay. But I also trained myself to where if I get caught with one, you go black. So if you get, if you get rocked, your, your, mm-hmm. your head rocked. Yeah, Sometimes it. you go black. Yeah. Most yeah. people will be like this. Boom. What do I do? You're, you automatically think go down. I trained myself to stay up. And so I hit, get hit and I'm like, okay, oh, I'm back at it. Okay, I know where I'm at. Okay, let's go. Jesus. So it sounds kind of morbid, but no, that's how boxers do it. That's how UFC fighters yeah. do it. That's how you need to do it. So I was pretty smart without getting really caught, but sometimes it's inevitable. It truly is. And uh, so, but yeah, like he caught me good. Brian McGrattney caught me a couple of times. I got caught in juniors a couple of times, not, but but then I started really catching guys bad. Um, so I was uh, I was pretty good about it, man. I got lucky. That's all it is, too. Is what about well, in yeah. what about an actual hit? Like who hit you that you were like, holy oh, God, shit. What a body check? Like who the like? Is there I'll, anybody I'll that that, that threw you off guard that you didn't think it hit that hard? Yeah, myself. <laughs> I hurt myself more than anybody else hurt me. Now, you got to understand, I didn't have the puck that much. I'm not yeah. having the puck 20 minutes a game. 
Mm-hmm. But people are always mad at me because I would ha- I was always able to catch guys. So mm-hmm. they always wanted to maybe some guys would want to get me back. But the hardest I get hit is when I went to hit a guy and I'd miss and I'd slam into the boards. Or yeah. I would go to hit, I'll give you an example, Dustin Bufflin. <sighs> I remember, Ket, he, this was before he was anybody. This was yeah. the minors in Norfolk. And I remember, Ket, I'm like, I'm crushing guys. At this point, I got my groove, man. I got, you know, I'm fast. I'm going to get low and really explode through guys. Mm-hmm. So I see big Dustin Buff. I'm like, who's this big fuck? I'm going to get him. So I remember him coming around in that. And I'm like, here it comes. And he knew I was coming the whole time. Mm-hmm. And he laid his 260-pound shoulder <laughs> into me. And I go, bam. <laughs> I go, oh. And he steps over He steps over me and goes, plug. And I go, oh, God, that was a wake-up call. <laughs> Dustin Bufflin, who's cool as hell. Yeah, he caught me bad, dude. It was a reverse hit. Yeah. Sometimes those reverse hits get you. Mark Stewart got me one time in Winnipeg, where I just dumped the puck, and I'm like, let's go. And I invited the hit. And he caught me, broke, cracked my sternum. Oh my Bam, God. cracked my sternum. I'm like, ay, ay, ay. I was stuck in Winnipeg Hospital for like five hours. They didn't even look at me in Winnipeg Hospital for like three hours. I just got done playing a professional hockey game. They didn't even come check on me for three hours when I was in Winnipeg. That's Just crazy, me. man. I know. I don't know what that was all about. All the guys are waiting on the tarmac for me. All <laughs> the Devils players, and I, they got to wait for me for three hours, basically. Oh, oh man. It's horrible. Oh, that's got to be rough insane. walking on the fucking I know. They're all like, gee, thanks, too. man. Yeah, like we got a game the next day. Yeah. You know, we got to get to our city you know one of the one of the things too that i remembered from you and i give you full marks for like answering the bell was the um was it the thomas caberlet hit so you hit him hurt him pretty good but when you went so did you know going into toronto the next time you guys met up did you know like obviously you were was it or or was it who did you fight Belak. Yeah, it was Belak. That's who it was. Rest in peace, baby. I yes, he was unreal. That guy. Yeah. I remember Great watching time. you and him go toe to toe for probably a minute and a half at least over that. Yeah. But he came like right off the bench, like you were already standing there dropping your gloves. Oh, like, yeah. You knew it was sure. coming, obviously, right? Of course. Are you kidding? Yeah. I had death threats, dude. Really? They were threatening to kill my family, burn my house down. I didn't give a fuck. I come come at me in Eureka. Are you kidding? My mom and dad laughed at it. But I did hurt Caberlet, man. And it was a late hit. Like, I yeah. fucked up. I got three games. I messed up. Belak wasn't in the lineup that night. Claude Julian didn't even play me the rest of the game. It wasn't, it, it wasn't like that malicious. I was like cruising. Oh, they went yeah. D to D. I'm like, here we go. And I was, I was like, ah, I'm committed. Boom. And he hit weird, awkwardly. And he was yeah, like, he like spun, player. right? It was weird. Yeah, yeah it hit his head blah, 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 like a hill cut. It was horrible. Um, but I'm like, damn, I messed that up. Okay, like 100%. I got to pay the piper. So two weeks later, we play in Toronto. They hated me so bad, dude. They, that imagine that. Like, you know how the Toronto fans are. Right. They like me now because I go on like TSN all the time with them and stuff like that. So the fans, like, a little bit, they've, they've got, gotten past that part. But uh, at the time, it was really bad. And the funny thing is, everybody knew the, all the attention was on me that night in a bad way. Not because I'm scoring goals, and you better watch out for him because he's got uh, ten goals in the last four games. No, no, no. I just I'm a fourth line kid, and I just a young kid, and I just rocked your best player and knocked him out for the playoffs. 
for your playoff hope. Like that's yeah. horrible, but it is what it is. So that leading up to it was God awful, dude. But I didn't care because I liked the attention. And I'm like, uh, I'm just going to have to pay the piper. I don't like death threats. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, that's fine. But up. I wasn't like complaining and give a fuck. Like, you can come do something to do it. But because um, people now are like, oh, God, people are mean to me online. Well, yeah, you just fucking <laughs> ran their goalie over, man. You know, you just kind of like suck some of that shit up. Like, whatever. We've all gone through it. Some of it's different with the racist shit. Like, I get that. But in the end, it's just some dipshit kid in the basement with Cheetos in his fucking belly button anyway. <laughs> Who cares what he says? Who cares? Exactly. Yeah. But they want to act like, so sometimes guys want to act like they're the victim too. Well, no, you're not. Oh. You just ran their goalie over. And they're fucked now. And you're going to lose our organization probably millions of dollars. So people are going to – you're going to have death threats. It is what it is. Um, You like that one, yeah? Cheetos in his belly button. That's what I got. No shit. That's exactly what happens, though. So that's who you're going to think is saying that to you. Anyway, I went out there, man, and the guys knew the – there's a lot of tension. They let me go skate out in warm-ups by myself to get the booze out of the way. So the guy's like, go ahead, Cam, just go out there by yourself. And I did. I skated out in warm-ups by myself. Like like a rookie like, lap? Yes. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I think crazy. that was Marty's idea. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> care. Did not care. I loved it. I loved the attention. But I needed to go fight six foot five Wade Belak oh. for two and a half minutes, and that's exactly what I did. And he's a true. That's what you do. Oh, he's a yeah, huge he's tough, man. He was, he was so tough. I was sitting at a bar when that went down. I was literally sitting at the bar, couldn't believe like how I'm like these guys are still fighting. It felt like five minutes. The great announcers are great too, both of them. Yeah. Who's the Leaf guy? He was awesome. And then we like it? getting a penalty box and we're like, dumping water. And I'm like, I take all my shit off. Like, yeah, and he's like, I know somebody that's standing on his couch right now. Yeah, wasn't that? It wasn't Joe Bowen, was it? Who is that guy? He was fantastic i think that was joe bowen that was on the call that game give him a shout out because he's good i love joe i I asked joe to come on this we're like red wings guys yeah but we i reached out to joe to come on the show because he's one of my favorite announcers in the nhl and he's really good and he's a leafs guy and he's one of my favorites i love him he's really good he'd be a good i evaluate all that stuff Mm -hmm. i like good announcers man me too. Like yeah. get, Big time. It makes the fight that much better. Mm-hmm. If the announcers are into it, it makes the fight and the energy and everything more more intense. It was yeah. He was holy. That's what the fans everything. <laughs> oh, it's awesome! What a what a scrap. Yeah, that was. Uh, how did how did it work out, Cam? That you ended up uh, going back to Jersey. Um, I called Lou, and I said, "Hey, man, you got a spot?" He's like, "Yep." Like he's like, or maybe he called. We, you know, I think the Reaver basically took Ryan Reese took my job in St. Louis, and rightfully so. He came up when I got hurt with my concussion, and he started dominating, scoring goals and stuff. I'm like, oh boy, and I had a good run in St. Louis. It's all good. So then my agent calls Lou, and Lou's like, yep, we could use you. They had an awesome team at the time. We went to the Stanley Cup Finals against the Kings mm-hmm. in 2012, and uh, and and so just called Lou, and Lou goes, absolutely. And so I I made that team and. Um, I was on a two-way contract too, and I, I made the team. And I stayed up all year, which is great. But I and then Eric Bolton and I were the two tough guys. They kept two of them, and so it was cool. And he was my oh, best man. buddy on the team too. Eric Bolton, the nicest, funniest son of a bitch you'll ever meet in your life. He is hilarious. You and his kid, 
his kid Sawyer is killing guys for London right now. I know. So I know. see. I he's see. He's suspended that. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I Dude, saw both... that. Okay, that's his kid. Shit. Yeah. Kicker. Sawyer gotcha. and Ryder. Sawyer and Ryder. They're so tough, dude. Eric Bolton's so tough, but he's the nicest, funniest goofball you'll ever meet in your life, and I love that. The crazy so he's from out east, right? I think he's from out mm. east, like yeah, uh, Newfoundland maybe. Like that. Yeah, Halifax, yeah, yeah. something like Nova Scotia. Yeah, yeah. The craziest part yeah. is like we've had a like lots of guys on the show that have like you know been in the freaking NHL and have played pro overseas and this and that, and yeah. we I always find that the guys that fight a lot are the nicest guys. It's true. There's a lot of good ones, man. A lot of good because the, the assholes get weeded out. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah well, I don't care if you get weeded out. And it's being down to earth too, right? Like a lot of yeah. you guys are humble roots, hardworking, as opposed to oh, silver spoon your whole life. Oh, triple A, this triple uh, all kinds of points, and then they let it get to their head. Right? School. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's hockey now. Mm-hmm. Hockey's a it's a wealthy sport now. A lot of wealthy kids with wealthy parents are playing now. Yeah. And there's still a mixture of kids from like Saskatoon and fucking Porcupine Plains, Saskatchewan, yeah. Alberta, whatever, whatever, yeah. right? But there's a lot of fancy kids out east that mom and dad have a lot of money and stuff like that. And they, but that's just the way it is, man. It's expensive to play hockey, dude. It's expensive to play hockey, baseball, all that stuff. But hockey, especially, it truly is. Yeah. Did you ever get to go around with, um, Mac there when you came over to play against the Red Wings there, D-Mac? Because he's a good friend of our show. Yeah. So that's why I was wondering, do you ever get a chance to go with him? What do you, D-Mac, who are you talking about? Oh, McCarty? McCarty, yeah. No, no, we played against him. He's a good dude. We had him on the pod too. He's awesome, man. Yeah. But no, I don't, I think he was playing for Calgary. They had other guys. I think Andre Waugh I fought all the time, but. I have all the respect for him. Dude, I grew up watching him, man. I love him. I grew up watching him. Yeah, kill the fucking blues is what they did. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was hard. It was heartbreaking. Like with CBY Eisenman, when we had Gretter and all those guys. Yes. When Bar Down, when we were in Bar Down from the fucking blue line, when Gretter turned the puck over in the mm-hmm. neutral zone, that was devastating for St. Louis, dude. Trust me. So yeah. I always looked up to Darren McCarty, man. I like him a lot, dude. I know he's doing a lot better. I know mm-hmm. he's been through some ups and downs. And he's a down-to-earth cool cat. Mm-hmm. 100%. So that that year, uh, you were talking about that 2012 team that went to the cup final. Did you see any playoff games that year? No. I was a black ace, okay, which is yeah. the worst thing in the world. Because Eric Bolton and I had to take care of all the young kids, but we'd still travel with the team. Mm. So we were getting bagged every day by Adam Oates, man. But it was fun. OT and I and Bolts and a couple other guys would play three on three for hours, dude, and get bagged and then play three. And OT would play with us and chirp us and keep us motivated. And then, so, but, but that, dude, that was so painful. Hmm. Like, you're like, oh my God, what is going on? Like, yeah. on, we're just getting bagged every day. You're not part of the team. But then the, then Lou and Pete DeBoer wanted me to go into the locker room before the games and give a funny pump up speech before the games. And that is like the most, like, that was dreadful for me. Because mm. I had to go down there. Everybody's got their towel over the head. Such serious. And I have to go be like, okay, guys, like a clown. <laughs> but they wanted me to do it. And so mm. it, it's a good feeling because they want you to, 
they know the guys like it and appreciate it and you got a sense of humor and make them laugh. They, they felt like your presence would help them play better. So that's as a, as a business, like, you know, you want your boss to want you to be around the big boys. So that was the most difficult damn thing ever. Never mind fighting guys going down there and trying to entertain the players before they went and played fucking LA in a Stanley cup final was the most difficult thing I've ever done. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk um, about, like, you got to calm their nerves, right, by loosening them up with those speeches. Oh. I'm sure that's what the idea was. And not to mention you got, like, generational players. You got Ilya Kovalchuk in there. Yeah. Like, that team was a wagon. Eliash and they, – did they have Parise. a young uh, Parise too, right? Yeah, Zach Parise. Did you ever, did you ever yeah. play with Scotty Gomez? God, yeah, man. Okay, I boy. knew you did. Okay, so we had him on, like, early episodes, and he was fucking yeah. awesome. So funny, dude. He's one of my one of my favorite guys ever I played with. He chirped the shit out of me when I first came in. But uh, but we hung out a ton, man. Scotty Gomez, so funny and witty. Alaska boy. Mm-hmm. Although you look at him, you're like, are you an outdoorsy guy? He tells me he's, like, going on these hunts in Alaska. I just can't picture it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He seems like a city boy to me. But he's an Alaskan guy. He was so funny, dude. I loved him. He he was such a good teammate. Made a ton of money. Yeah, he's he chilling was, now. Yeah, he was. He awesome. had a podcast going on. I think I don't know if it's still going or not, but he could do what he wants. He doesn't need to do anything. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He yeah. he he did pretty well for himself. Awesome mm-hmm. guy. All right, Tris. We'll fire one more each at him here because I know he's got to go. And he's uh last yeah, okay, thing. Buddy. Last thing I'm gonna ask you, Cam. How was it? Um when you once you know like okay hockey's kind of winding down for me how was it like transitioning out of hockey to like just kind of real life type deal shall i say it's a good question dude because i'm not educated and i'm a little wild at the time and i had no experience with tv and stuff like that so i go i'm gonna go play a year in england with my wife me and my wife going to england it was so lovely they were so great to us I love history. I love English history. Mm-hmm. I do European history. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with castles and war and things like that. Not that I like war, but I'm curious of what how everything came about throughout history. So it's not like, I'm like yeah, war's great now. Hell no. No, yeah. I want to be chill. I want the U.S. to be as chill as possible and maybe chime in here and there just to keep everything settled down. That's how I am. After 9-11, a little bit different. Now I'm like, nope. But we went over there and saw castles and stuff like that. It, it, I busted my ass. I didn't miss one shift that whole year. We won two champions out of, championships out of three. And when I got back home, I actually I signed a two-year extension with them. I was going to be their captain. They had all this stuff pumped up. Then I got all these job offers for radio because I mm-hmm. played here. Yeah. And they knew I had a personality. And so I got job offers for radio, and I was like, I have to start my career now. But for most people, dude, that's got to be very difficult. I was lucky enough to play in my hometown, so I knew enough people to where I would get job offers. But if I had to go back to Saskatoon or if I had to go back to Little Rock, Arkansas, where not not too many, and I didn't play there, it would have been it would have been very it would have been tough. It would have been tough to figure out what I'm good at and whatnot. But I knew I was pretty good at radio. I knew I was entertaining enough and I knew I was curious enough to know a lot of other things in life to be able to entertain people. So it all worked out. And uh, and now we're just man. You talk for a living. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not bad. It's not a bad gig. <laughs> not at all. I honestly, I think my last question. Uh, it's a bit of a deep one, but 
what is your what are your thoughts on the current status of fighting in the NHL and like do you think it should be implemented more? Do you think it's there like not enough or should they dial it back a bit? Like player safety's along those lines. I don't even think about it. I watch the game now for and this is me, dude. I'm hardcore. Mm-hmm. But I'm not I've accepted it. Like there's no big boys where you dude, when we used to go, it would be so pumped up before a game. Like everybody knows, like these two guys are gonna go. You're in warm-ups. So everybody's like, there they are. Yeah. Like it just was such a it was a it was a it was a boxing match inside of a game. Like it was it was completely different. Now it's not. I don't mind when they I like the emotion. I want guys to go down. I want I love hits. I like emotion after whistles and stuff like that. But you know, the square offs now, they're okay. Like it just it doesn't I don't think about it that much. I look mm-hmm. The game's fun to watch. These games are fun, man. That game last night against Boston and um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, who am I? Uh, an Oilers. It was an awesome game, toe to toe. The stadium series were fun. I don't, I don't care about it that much, man. I've accepted that. Like, mm. I know a lot of guys haven't, but I'm like, yeah, they don't fight. There's no fights. The game's still fun. They're going 100 miles an hour. The hits are still there. If you take hitting out, now we got a problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. No, yeah. Cam, this you know is I mean? fucking. This has been uh, unreal. I just want to say yeah. thank you for your time. Um, best Probably. of luck with everything: the radio show, the pod. I listen to the pod all the time. I love it. Um, oh yeah. Let's work on. Would you be down if I can kind of maybe work something out with Windsor? Would you be down to come in for a night? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not right. I mean, yeah, I'd love to go say hey to the fans, dude. Like, don't get me wrong, hundred percent. Love okay. to go see say hey to the fans. And and they treated me great there, man. I think uh, they deserve me coming up there. Hopefully, they still cool. remember me. I think they would. I'm sure but, they do. Uh, yeah. Trust me, I'm sure they yeah, do. I love hey, it. But if yeah. they if that happens, Cam, and you're here after whatever, we're gonna hit the Crown Royal room. Well, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, Tristan's course, gonna drive uh, me home that night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and me, and me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that all you works. just let me know, dude. But tell everybody I said hey out there, man. Oh my. Yeah. I miss all of them. They were so damn good to me, dude. I'll never forget that. And my whole family will never forget it either because that was a commitment for them as well, just so you know. For sure. It's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cam. Anytime, uh, keep swinging. Good luck with the podcast and the radio show and everything else. And yep. it'll go smooth. You too, brother. guys. Yep. You keep doing your thing, man. You guys are great, man. Trust me. Thank you. Much thank appreciated. You, you dudes. Thank you. Be cool, you, man. Boss. Right on.